course mine do <laughs> Hey, this is Heart of the Matter. Tonight we have a special guest, Sam Young, sitting here with us. But we thought we'd start off with four men who have all been LDS, uh, some still LDS actually, and have taken on different approaches to reach LDS people. Uh, you know what I've done with Heart of the Matter. Uh, behind me, we have Bishop Earl. Bishop Earl, just tell them what you, what you do. Everyone knows, but tell them anyway. I interview people, uh, former Mormons who have come to know Jesus, and uh, I spend a half hour usually sitting down with them and having them share their journey. And it's very inspiring, and uh, catch it on exmormonfiles.com. And how many have you done so far, Almost Earl? 300. Almost 300. They're really good. They're really fascinating. Excellent. Larry here, passing the baton. Tell us, Larry, 23 years LDS, and then, and then what are you doing now? Uh, I specialize in being a support role for activists, and so I support all three of these gentlemen and uh, several others uh, uh, that you all know, the uh, active people in the uh, Mormon community, and I do whatever I can to help in uh, changing the world. And you have done a fine job of that. That was very vague, but we know what he's talking about. <laughs> and then we're going to spend the rest of the show talking to Sam. Thanks, you guys. Will you hand that to, Win oh, yeah, hand that to Wendy for me, Larry? Uh, listen, we've had a number of uh, responses. We're at almost 12,000 views from last week's show about uh, with James and I and our conversation. I'm going to cover that information next week, uh, kind of a response. And it's a good response. We had a very good time with James. But tonight I'm very excited. I was just able to sit down and, uh, with uh, Sam and his mother and Mary at uh, the restaurant over there and we were able to get to know each other. I know really nothing about Sam except a, a little bit about what he's currently doing. But where he's come from, where he is, and what he's all about is a fascinating story and there's things to learn along the way until we get to what he is primarily doing right now, which is just, uh, I think, so vitally important to uh, changing Mormonism, but we'll talk about that. Let's just start off right now. The mic is yours, the stage is yours. Sam, tell us about yourself, where you came from, why you're here, where you're going, uh, LDS history, family, etc. Well, first of all, <coughs> Sean, I appreciate you buying me dinner tonight. You're welcome. But I, I'm kind of upset with oh, you. Oh, why? Yeah, well, do you want me to share that on air? I do. So I'm surprising you, right? You didn't know I was upset with you. No, please tell us. What is it? Look at our outfits. You told me to dress up and look what you wore. You I dressed, dressed up. You dressed <laughs> up. Okay, well. This is a new shirt. Uh, honestly, it's a new shirt. My wife got it for me yesterday. <laughs> Just for this. Okay, I, I'm getting impressed in <laughs> okay. that case. <laughs> so why did you tell me to wear a suit? Did I tell you? You did. Well, I told, I told Earl to wear suits, too. And Earl didn't wear a suit? He did. Well, tonight I, he didn't, but he has on his show. Okay, well, I'm going to have to... You represent I, something important here. Yeah, okay. Plus, you look better in a suit. Yeah. My wife says that. Uh-huh. <laughs> You're not my wife. My wife is okay to say that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I've been a member of the church for my entire life. I was baptized when I was a baby. How about that? Mm, unique. 
I was baptized in the Episcopalian Church. My wow. great-grandfather is a, was an Episcopalian minister, so my dad was an Episcopalian, and uh, so I was baptized there. Then he converted. My mom was a member of the church already, so I was baptized at eight uh -huh. and did all the uh, good stuff that we uh -huh. do in our church, uh, uh -huh. like uh, um, all through the priesthood, um, seminary, uh, served a mission to Guatemala and El Salvador for two years, Super experience. Loved my mission. Mm. Um, went to BYU, uh, graduated. Oh, so you didn't know about this about me. Yeah. I accomplished the impossible. You graduated without getting married. There it is, <laughs> yes. So uh, there were three people in my engineering class that graduated single. Wow. I was one of them. Wow. And I'm uh, glad that I did. I moved to Houston, Texas. Uh, that's where I met my wife. We married in the temple. Six kids. Um, Daughters, by the way. Man after my own heart. Yeah, that impressed me, Sean. Yeah. 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 Your new shirt impresses me, and you've got three daughters. Three daughters. Me. Half the man you are, but. <laughs> well, uh, so I've raised all my family in the church, um, have served in the traditional callings, I guess, uh, um, young men's president, board mission leader several times, high council, bishop for five years, uh, stake young men's president, stake uh, public affairs director. They've given me several interesting assignments that are not traditional things to do. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, they asked me to start attending a Baptist church. Wow. A little Baptist church in our neighborhood, and this is this is a great assignment. I didn't understand it when they first. My stake president, my bishop, <coughs> gave me a call, and uh, I already knew about this little church. It's a church that uh, uh, was a historic church, founded in 1869. Uh, a plantation owner gave them a plot of ground. He gave the former slaves, his former slaves, a plot of ground, and said, "As long as you hold church here, the ground is yours. You quit doing that, it goes back to my posterity." Mm. Uh, so a lot of years have passed by. The neighborhood has changed dramatically in that time. It has now grown up to be kind of a uh, suburban, a little bit above middle class mm. um, area. And uh, they were victims of an arson uh, mm. a few years ago. And their membership was down to about 10 mm. members. And that's when they asked me to go over there. Uh, start just make friends and look for opportunities to serve mm. it's nothing to do with proselyting mm. period mm. and uh, they were a little nervous I was a little nervous the mm. first time I walked in this little church where the the floor is slanted uh, and the ceiling the roof the, this, there's no ceiling you've got plastic uh, stuff hanging from this I was just you know it's kind of not in bad shape in this small little church and uh, I sh they asked me who the visitor was they don't they, at the time, didn't get many visitors, and uh, told them I'm Sam Young. I'm from the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, also known as the Mormons. I've been asked by my pastor to start coming here and make friends and look for ways to serve. Mm. Uh, they were nervous about that, mm. especially the uh, <laughs> the yeah. reverence in the group. Yeah. But after uh, two or three months, uh, they realized that there were no um, ulterior motives. Mm -hmm and we've all become great friends at this point. So I've had a few assignments like that where they just called me in and said, Sam, this is an issue we've got. Mm -hmm. Could you please take it on? Mm -hmm. 
Um, so anyway, that's been my history in the church. One thing uh, quickly, at dinner with his uh, lovely mother, she said, uh, she's in her mid-80s, said, uh, this guy is true to the faith. I mean, he is, a, since he was a child, he has been a go-getter, loved Mormon church, still a member, and he, he served and he wanted to and he followed general conference and everything about him. So my story is very different. You guys know that, but th we like this. This is like a Bishop Earl story. We got a bishop come in here and this guy is faithful and he loves the church and he served it, loved his mission, married in the temple, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so then what's happened since? What's going on now? Okay, so this, what I'm here to talk about is something that I was not really that familiar with, some things that are going on in the church. Uh, about uh, a year ago, March of last year, a friend of mine that I've home taught for the last, I don't know, 10 years, hmm. uh, never been active in the church in all that time, <clears throat> he gave me a call and said, Sam, I think it's about time I tell you why. I don't go to church. So that got my curiosity up. I had never asked him why he didn't go to church. I probably should have, but never have. And he said, so, so we went out on his back porch and uh, it's a nice spring day in Texas. It wasn't hot, it was just really, I remember this really well. And he said, Sam, <coughs> um, we had come to church and we were, we wanted to be active for our children, for our sons. We wanted to raise our kids in church, which, geez, that sounds great. And one day, my, his youngest son came and said, my, the bishops asked to meet with me. And his son was nervous about that. Well, the dad wasn't nervous. Why would you be nervous about meeting with the bishop? Mm. And but the dad said, I'll just sit out on the couch if there's any problems at all. Uh, just um, open the door and come out and get me. Well, a few minutes later, Sure enough, the door opened, his son rushed out, white as a ghost, and said, Dad, now you said I could say things right on the show. Anything. He said, Dad, the bishop asked me if I masturbate and if I have sex with other boys. This man uh, was, that was, didn't sit well with him. Yeah. He stood up, walked in the bishop's office, leaned over the bishop's desk, and said, If you ever ask one of my sons anything like that again, I will beat you to a pulp. They eventually quit coming to church, but that was the reason that he gave me for not coming to church. Now, I had heard about interviews about masturbation. That's pretty much as far as I'd heard, but I, I, it had not really resonated with me. I'd not worried about it. It just hadn't, no gears had engaged. It was just someplace, some guy had, was talking about masturbation and that's okay I guess. Um, I'd started here about some boys that were being held up on going on their mission because they had to go a certain length without masturbating. masturbating. And uh, What is that length? Do you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I, wondered, I, I don't know what the length, I knew what it was when I was a kid. But <laughs> Well, uh, anyway, I didn't, I heard about them. I had friends or, that had grandchildren, and, but it was only in a couple of cases, and, and so it, I didn't really think much about it. I was going to this other church and yeah. be, making friends there. I was working in the, all the programs I was working on in the church. Yeah. So I really wasn't concerned about all those things. Now, Sam, let me interrupt real quick. You had been a bishop 
though for five years. Uh -huh. Wasn't that part of your repertoire with dealing with the kids? To yes. So then, when you said you weren't familiar with it, what did you? What do you mean that? When your friend told you the bishop had brought this up to the boy, had you also, as a bishop, done that with children? So I would say, why in the hell would I have ever thought, oh, I got a 12-year-old girl here, let me ask if she masturbates. I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought it was like part of what you were trained to do. So I was never trained to do that. Okay. So as a child, going through my youth, I was never asked that question. When I was a bishop, I was never trained. I received very little training, if none, from none to little training on interviews. Fascinating. Okay? And uh, they certainly didn't tell me to ask explicit questions. Now, I understand that some places bishops have been uh, oh. trained to do that. I, really, I don't know where all this comes from. I just know it's happening. Huh. Uh, so when, it, when, it, when my friend told me that, then I've got somebody right here that quit going coming to church he quit church you know in our church we kind of don't like people quitting church yeah. leaving the church yeah. we look for ways to bring them back look for ways to keep them in in the church and uh, so that kind of got me thinking so I went to social media and I asked the question anybody else been asked questions like this before Sean were you ever asked questions like this before oh yeah okay your wife said she was too. A whole bunch of people, I was flooded with people telling me they were asked questions, that they were asked about masturbation all the time. So over the next few months, tons of people were reaching out to me. Uh, see, so it started in March, April. It took me a little bit of time to, to digest it and start to think, because initially I was not thinking. So this happened to my friends in, in my ward. This happened to my friend in, in, in the, my, the ward where some of my kids were raised. Uh, but I didn't, wasn't thinking about my own child yet. So this summer, last summer, June, I asked uh, one of my daughters, and I'd probably never said the word masturbation to any of my children at that point, mm. but I point blank asked her, honey, were you ever asked if you masturbate mm. by the bishop? Oh yeah, dad. And I didn't know what it, it was when I was 12. And I didn't know what, meant, what it meant. Hmm. So I asked my friends. They didn't know what it meant, her 12-year-old friends. So if you don't know what something means, where do you go? Hmm. You go to Google. Mm -hmm. She said, Dad, I Googled it. It wasn't until about a month ago that I Googled masturbation. And I challenge anybody that's listening to me, you go look up masturbation and see if you're happy that your 12-year-old child was introduced to that by a bishop's interview where they'd asked her if she'd masturbate. Wow. Okay, so she said, Dad, I found out how to do it. I found out what it was, and I found pornography as a result of this interview. And then it goes through my head, I wish I had been the parent that my friend, my inactive friend was, where he was there, his child felt comfortable enough that he could say, Dad, they asked me about masturbation. My daughter didn't tell me. My wife feels bad about that we weren't close enough to her daughter. Most kids are not going to come out and say, here's what I was asked. Most kids are not going to, the vast majority of kids are not going to do that. Once I found out that it happened to my daughter, 
And then I asked her, honey, did it ever happen again? This is exactly what she said. All the time, Dad. Mm. So for the next six years, you know, you've got two interviews every single year, if not more. If you're going on a temple trip, well, you add that one in there. If you're getting a calling, you add that one in there. Many bishops, if they know you, if, they, if, some, if a kid answers, yes, I masturbate, they'll say, well, good, then let's start meeting monthly or let's start meeting weekly. Mm. Um, but so, so when I found that out this summer, now the gears have totally meshed. Uh, all these folks that I have never met, like I'd never met Larry before, um, and I, that doesn't have anything to do with masturbation, Larry. It's just <laughs> I'd never met you before. <laughs> uh, Mary and I, Larry and I became friends through masturbation, so just... Uh, <laughs> well, just kidding. I tell you, why don't you guys make that a topic of another <laughs> TV show? <laughs> if you haven't watched this, that's a joke. Calm down. All right. <laughs> Well, as you, you should know by now, I don't take jokes very well, oh. just so you're aware. I don't believe that. <laughs> uh, okay, so at that point, I started writing about it. And as I wrote about it, I started to hear worse and worse and worse things. So asking my child if she masturbates, that is a big no-no for me. And that should be bad enough. But then when somebody said, yeah, they asked me, the bishop asked me if I orgasmed. Mm. What the hell? The bishop asked you if you orgasmed? What does that have to do with anything? Now you're starting to pile shame upon this child. Mm. Just asking the questions pile shame. If a child can't quit masturbating, and most of the boys don't, mm. um, you are heaping uh, shame on them every single time they meet Absolutely. with you. And then it's common to not only have the shame in the bishop's office, but then, then, then to put the uh, restriction on them to, well, for the next month, you can't pass the sacrament. Now you're shaming them to the world. Yeah. Oh, you can't go to the temple with us. Well, what are they going to tell their friends? They're going to have to make up some kind of story. Mm -hmm. Now, <coughs> this causes all all kinds of problems for our kids, which I didn't know. I, a year ago, I would not, not have known this. A year ago, I was just starting to find out this was going on, but I had no idea the shame, the great damage that we can do to our children. One, inappropriate shame. Two, shame to the point of self-loathing. Kid, after adult, after adult, after adult, after adult, Twenty-five hundred people have shared their stories with me at this point. Twenty, I've read twenty-five hundred stories. Three hundred and sixty of them have been recorded in a good bit of detail by the folks that have been harmed by these bishops' interviews. Three hundred and sixty. I can't tell you how many of them, in fact it's most of them, that say, I hated myself during my teenage years. Really, that's what we want to do to our kids. This is what we're doing to our kids. Most bishops have no idea. They're not doing that on purpose. Mm. It's part of their training or part of their experiences when they're a child. Or I don't know where it comes from, but it's somehow there. And so they are asking those questions and they don't realize the unintended harm. Mm. And it harms the most vulnerable of our kids. The kids are most scrupulous. They're the ones that we're harming the most. Mm -hmm. A lot of kids simply lie. 
about it. Mm -hmm. In fact, as I've done, as I've been with groups of people, mm -hmm. a few months ago I was with 40 people, and I asked, how many of you lied during a bishop? 75% said, yeah, we lied. Wow. I probably shouldn't ask you the question. I don't want to embarrass you here. I or, told the truth. I swear to you, I told the flat out truth, and it got me disfellowshipped as a as a 17-year-old. See, that makes me cry. Yeah. Makes me cry yeah. that we did that to a 17-year-old. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that self-loathing frequently is taken into adulthood. You attach, anyway, so, so you, attach, you take your self-loathing into adulthood. This can take decades to get rid of. I mean, and that's, that's uh, until I read story after story and started thinking about it, started re looking at my own experiences with things and realized, you know, there are things you carry for decades. You have this shame and self-loathing around sexuality. Uh, yeah, it can be carried into adulthood. Frequently is carried into adulthood. It can really mess up your marital relationships because you have shame around sex. How many couples have crappy sex lives? because one or both of them have this deep shame that was attached to sexuality for six years. They're mo this is when you're developing your understandings. And uh, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know any of that stuff. But the psychologists have told me, but I really don't even need to tell them, them to tell me. I've got 2,500 people that have told me their stories. <laughs> there are people, when you take somebody behind a closed door, a child behind a closed door and ask them sexual questions, just taking them behind a closed door, if you don't ask any questions, you groom them that it's okay to be taken behind closed door, not by a guy dressed up like you, by a guy dressed up like me. Somebody that looks good, that has authority in that ward, in that stake, or in the community. You're grooming them for it's okay. Pedophiles know this. You start asking sex, sexual questions. You start, do you masturbate? Uh, where do you masturbate? How many fingers do you use to masturbate? Can you imagine that, a, a bishop asking that question? Do you masturbate under or over your panties? This is a, these are killers. Um, and the child answering those questions, it sets them up for self-loathing, as a child, loathing as an adult, and sets them up for sexual abuse. They've now been groomed that it's okay to go behind a closed door and talk about sex with a guy that looks just like Sam Young. That is so, this is a total recipe for disaster. And Sean, do you know how many institutional churches do this in the country? I don't. Zero. There are no institutional churches. Now there might be some church where a guy starts up a church where they do that, uh, but there's no institutional church but the Mormons. But my church that does this, we got to get rid of that. Uh, so there have been, so most of our men, are, most of our bishops are good men. Really good men. Super good men. But you know what? There are pedophiles that are in the bishop's office. Their stories on the website of children being sexually assaulted after they've been groomed sufficiently by the bishop in the bishop's 
office. And then the ultimate. The shame can be so bad that the child feels like they're worthless. They're the only one that masturbates. They're the only one that can masturbate. They can't quit masturbating. Or you pile on all the other questions. What sexual positions? Did you have anal sex? Did you have oral sex? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I told you that I could ask questions. There's some of them I don't even want to state, that they're just so gross that it's hard to believe these questions were asked. But the child can have so much damage, feel so worthless, they look at thinking of suicide. You know, in this book, eight is suicide ideate. They thought about suicide. Wow. Eight thought, I just opened up randomly, two-thirds of them are eight. How many of our kids are we driving right now to think of suicide? Because they can't quit masturbating. Half of them are lying to their bishop. Mm -hmm. And who knows what the percent is just how many of our kids are thinking of suicide because of what we're doing? How many attempted suicide? Okay, I just opened it up, right? Mm -hmm. Number nine, that is attempted. People have complained about my approach, that I have some anger about what's going on. I can appreciate people, people attacking my approach, but we ought to be joining hands and saying, let's all protect the children whether we're totally calm about it or whether we're angry at what is happening, we ought to be able to join arms with it. I tell you, it is super hard for me to separate. In fact, I don't want to separate my emotions. For me to immediately open up the book, and there it is, inappropriate shame, hated, my, hated myself as a child, I loathed myself as an adult, I was groomed for sexual uh, abuse. I had decades of suffering from this, the shame. I thought about suicide. I attempted suicide. I attempted suicide. And then you have the suicides. Yeah. So there are kids that have committed suicides over this. There, so the most recent one was that I have in here is four years ago. And you know, it just shoots me to the heart that how, how would I feel if I lost a 14-year-old? and then lose my 14-year-old because he died from suicide. And then he died from suicide because I was encouraging him to go see the bishop. I supported those bishops' interviews. I didn't know that was do what was doing happening to my son. <clears throat> so, now you can ask me questions, by the way, Sean. This is your program. Uh, it's, but this <laughs> is, I have, I, this is too good, uh, what you're bringing out. A couple things I want to say. One is I told um, Sam this, that I said, when I first met Bishop Earl, I knew by the Holy Spirit, Bishop Earl needed to do what he did. When I, as soon as I heard Sam's story, I knew by the Spirit, you had to have some kind of platform with us at least to get your message out to our audience. Um, and so this is, I mean, it's just time for this stuff to be put behind us, and I'm so proud of you and, and what you're doing for the benefit of those people who have been hurt, are being hurt, and uh, I, 
I want to hear what the response has been and then what you continue to do and what your hopes are, et cetera. Uh, but I also, I saw the name, the girl Rachel there. She had one through nine. Uh, you can put Sean there. I mean, I can guarantee you, uh, I, I'm fighting tears. Uh, the, the weekly discussion about masturbation with the bishops that when I turned uh, 13, I started having intercourse to avoid uh, masturbation. It was so brutal and it was relentless and that's how I got to a disfellowship at 17. I was wild, I know. But it was relentless, the things they asked. And it was all details like you're talking about. All the details. You could, I mean, yeah, did you orgasm? How many times? What, what are you doing? And, and just, it's just unbelievable I'm sitting here. But you know what? I thought it was normal. I thought that's the normal thing. When I meet a bishop, you never even did that to somebody. Then I realize it needs to be talked about and stopped if it's not a, even if it is a normal thing, it should be stopped. I'm, I'm not, even, not even making sense here. It was so bad. Okay, so you were fighting, tearing up. That teared me up because here's somebody else that was at that very stage. You are a child. Oh, yeah. We want to prevent future children from experiencing what you experienced sure. from what the 2,500 people who've reached out to Definitely. me experienced. So um, I, at some point in time, realized not much is going on. Somebody needs to do something. So I started a petition. Uh, and I recognized it was unlikely that a petition is actually going to cause the church to make a change. But there were some advantages, there were some benefits to starting the petition, and not all of them did I realize at the beginning. But one is to raise awareness of this is going on. We ought to be stopping. We ought to be working to make the changes within our, so I like my church, okay, yeah. <laughs> within my church, um, that will make it better. This is a this is a gigantic piece of crap that's in my church that gets get rid of the crap out of my church that is harming our children. So anyway, is to wear, raise awareness. Um, so I started the petition. When I wrote the petition, um, <coughs> I wrote it Halloween day <laughs> and then went out trick-or-treating with my, kid, my grandkids and came back and the first thing I do, did was sit down in front of that thing and think, do I really want to hit the button on this? Because this seem, seems like a big deal for me to hit the button that we are calling on the church to make, to do certain things. We're ca I'm calling on the church and whoever else signs this. We're not just saying, could you pretty please not do this to our kids? No, it is. We got to stop this and we got to stop it immediately, not 10 years from now. So, well, I won't talk about that. Before you go in, before you go in I want you to talk about whatever. What are you trying to stop exactly? Are you asking? Two things. Two things. Asking for two things. Number one, <clears throat> that we no longer have one-on-one -on -one behind closed door meetings with children. Defined as 18? From age, for, until age 18, yes. Until 18, okay. Yeah. Um, now, there are a lot of folks that look at that, that they're, well, I just want to talk about the children. That's where I'm at is okay. with the children. We don't have one-on-one -on -one because they are so dangerous to do those things. Yeah. Um, that the interview should either include a parent, and that would be preferred. Going over, if I was to do this again, I would be in there with every single one of my children. Mm -hmm. This is going to be a wonderful thing. Me and my child and the spiritual sure. leader of our ward, um, let's make this, as opposed to you read the stories, 
This is their worst experience. They don't want to go see that bishop. They dread that, and they walk out of there hating themselves. No, let's make it a, a, a wonderful meeting that this could be a bonding experience to Jesus Christ. Sure. Um, okay, so one, no one-on-one -on -one interviews with children. Number two, we don't talk about sexual issues with our children. So I'd look at masturbation. I am responsible. I'm parent. Mm -hmm. I'm responsible for the development of my child in every way, including sexual development. So masturbation, that's a family issue. We don't talk about those things. You don't talk about them with a closed, with that. We don't have any shame attached to that. So we don't talk about that in the interview. Um, so it's just those two things. We don't talk about sexual issues in the meetings and we don't, and we have always have somebody uh, present, either a parent or an adult of the child's choosing because there are instances where I mean, there's, these are few, most, most of the interviews are the semi-annual interviews or the Temple Recommend interviews where they're calling all the kids in. But you know there are instances where there is sexual abuse and the child is looking for somebody to speak with. Well good, let's still have that, uh, that option available and you have somebody that that child feels comfortable with. And by the way part of the problem we have is our bishops are not trained psychologists or therapists or they we don't know how to talk to kids about masturbation with we don't know that it piles shame on top of that kid somebody that's asking the girl I mean the the did you put your fingers inside your vagina somebody's asking that I don't know how you ask that as a and say the spirit told me to do that but hopefully they don't understand that is crippling to that child to ask that question there whether she does or not yeah. it cripples them um, so we're not trained we don't know the the damage so let's just get all that stuff out of our untrained bishops office um, and leave the stuff that's good in the bishops office with the parent so it's those two things the LDS church they made a response they give a response. What was it? Uh, well, they, I thought it was great that they gave a response and I didn't, it didn't hide what they're doing. It was in all kinds of flowery and fluffy language, but basically it came down to one-on-one -on -one meetings behind closed doors and the bishop can ask whatever he wants. He didn't, they didn't say that. It just said there's, the bishop can ask what is inspired by the spirit. Well, what does that mean? If you put no restrictions on that, so there's a few stories in here where the child was called a slut. <gasps> Can you imagine that? How do you, if you want to ruin a child's childhood, if the child has had, if that 16-year-old, let's say 14-year-old girl, six, I don't care the age, yeah. they've had sex with three boys, the bishop Here's the confession then says, you know what we call girls like that? Right. We call them a slut. Wow. So I had a meeting with my, my stake president and bishop and I brought that up. Stake president said, I've never asked a question. Who would ask a question like that? That's a terrible question. Well, you're right. It is a terrible question, but it's not forbidden in our process. You can call a child a slut. There's nowhere that it restricts you in what you can say to that child. Now anybody in their right mind you would think, you don't say that to a kid. In their right but mind. there's no restrictions. 
on that. So was this a pedophile? I don't know who it was. I, I just know that there's so much at risk when we say the bishop's a good guy and not trained, but he's a good guy. The spirit will direct what he's going to say. No, that's way too dangerous. Yeah. You just say, we're going to talk about the love of Jesus, the wonderful things about his gospel, um, progressing in your growth and understanding and the faith, as opposed to you get into the sexual stuff. Um, it's just way too dangerous. As a father of three daughters, I know that even in their 20s and 30s, if a man was to ask them if they put their fingers inside them, it would be mortifying, mortifying to them. And, and they're married, just mortifying. So what you're saying here, it rings so true, I just never think about it. So now there's an, another element to consider. So you and I talked about masturbation at dinner. What a fun topic, huh? <laughs> but we're adults. Yeah. It's not going to affect us, right. okay? I can defend myself and say, you know what, I'm not going to answer that question, buddy. That's out of, that's out of bounds. Yeah. Um, but our children, they don't have an adult brain. Mm. Their understanding around sexuality is just in the process of developing. Mm. Uh, and now they're sitting with, in, in behind closed doors all alone with a huge power differential. Mm. You've got them, a man that represents mm. God that speaks for God. And he asks you if you masturbate, you better answer. Okay, I mean, you've got this huge power differential and that, puts, that, that also adds to the shame that that child is going to experience. Wow. The response of the church was kind of standard. What will it take, do you think, to get it to change? Well, um, I'm really glad the church made that response because it, there could be questions on what is the policy. Well, I know what the policy is. I happen to have the handbook one and you can look through and see what it is. But uh, people don't have access to that. Now they put it out in public. Here's what we're doing. Okay, super. Let's take away the fluffy language and what's left. Behind closed doors interviews, private. The parents or another adult are encouraged that it, it, it's encouraged that there be a parent or another adult in the hallway, hmm. in an adjoining room, or in the foyer. Hmm. Encouraged. Well, that could be the clerks counting the tithing money hmm. across the hall, hmm. okay? I know it's a very frequent practice still in the church. The bishops are busy. This is a you know, they got a full-time job and they're trying to get, do the things that are in the handbook. They got to interview all the kids. And so they'll say, could you please go pull Sally out of her class? Um, the um, counselors, they also have authority to have those interviews mm -hmm. on this every six months. So they'll go in on Wednesday nights and pull the kid into a room all by themselves, one-on-one. -on -one, and where's the parent? The parent didn't even know that was happening. So it shouldn't be encouraged where who knows what's going to happen mm -hmm. it should be we're calling for it to be required that a parent or other child uh, adult of the challenge choosing be in that room percent of the respondents um, how many have experienced uh, sexual abuse by the person doing the interviewing well in 
on the website there are three stories of the bishop, and they are so sad. They are so sad. Of the bishop uh, um, assaulting them, one at seven years old, at her baptismal interview. Oh. Uh, and you look at the manipulate, how the bishop manipulated her. Uh, it just so, because you can see it. You can see it right there that, that a child would, that's the way they would look at that. Yes, yeah. the bishop had some logic to put into that along with Heavenly Father in this thing. A 12-year-old um, wow. being abused in the bishop's office. Uh, I can't remember the age of the other one. And then another ward where uh, a woman, while she was in that ward, uh, several, she says it's a lo- the, that her, there was a lost generation of boys in her ward because the bishop was ab- abusing the boys. Um, so there are four stories of, and I know there are many, several, other, at least eight other people have reached out to me about, but this, this goes so deep. Most people, it's hard to talk about it. Um, and so they're reluctant to put their stories out there. But I know there are a lot yeah. more. I mean, last year in Utah, there were five bishops. So there are, I think four of them were in Utah. One was someplace else. But five bishops, the five former bishops, that were arrested for sexual abuse. Five. Well, we've got pedophiles in our midst that happen to be bishops. Mm-hmm. Um, and we need to not, by holding these, by doing these things, a good man, not a pedophile, has good, let's say he never asks any sexual questions, a good bishop, okay. has the one-on-one meetings. I look at that, he is facilitating the pedophile in some other chapel because he is condoning those one-on-one interviews. He's groomed that child. They move into that other ward. She knows it's okay to talk to the bishop behind closed doors. She just didn't know yet it was okay to talk about sex yet. So the, the, the good bishops that we have also do a disservice as far as grooming our children or permitting a system to remain in place that the pedophiles can um, take advantage of. Now, sexual assault of our children by the bishops, that's a small percentage. Yeah. But you know what? That is a super important percentage. I'm not going to look at those three people that were assaulted and say, ah, oh, geez, that was only three of you. No, it was three of you. This is huge. This ruined yeah. most of your life. Yeah. We got to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Now, the majority of the people in the story that, that have been damaged are um, kids that it was just the shame was yeah. so horrid like you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not, I'm jumping ahead to this and we can come back. We have three calls we'll take and then we'll continue to talk. You have one, will you tell our audience how they can uh, file their story and about the march that's coming up? Okay. So there's three things. Number one, this petition. Our goal is to get 10,000 signatures. We started it October 31st. I pushed that button and I can tell you I had butterflies in my stomach. Not bad butterflies, just butterflies. I've had gut wrench before, but that wasn't one of those times. This is just, you know, the kind of the good kind of anxiety. But I hit that button on uh, uh, Halloween night and Christmas Eve, we got our 10,000th 
signature. Wow. I can't tell you how many people said, Sam, 10,000, that's too big a goal. You're not going to get that. Wow. And, but we kept pushing. Uh, we got the, the 10,000 signatures. We now have 15,400 signatures on the site. We're not promoting it like we used to, but then we, we may promote it again. But we've got a serious block of, I call them roaring lions, mm. to defend our children. Mm. Okay, uh, you can go to protectldschildren.org. It's on the screen. You can go right there. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or right there. Right, I, I, the screen. <laughs> Somewhere over there you can go. <laughs> uh, protectldschildren.org. And um, on that site there's a link to the petition. Please go sign the petition. If you haven't signed it yet, sign the petition. If you're, I'm Mormon. I signed it. My wife's super Mormon. She signed it. Um, a lot of active Mormons are now signing that petition. Because uh, it asks for your religious affiliation. No, yeah. no. The only, there is one qualification for signing the petition, Sean, and I think you'll qualify for it. Okay. So I hope you sign my petition. I will. I'll Here's the qualification. That you are interested in protecting children. You got That's it. it. If you're interested in that, I invite you to sign the petition. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a Mormon like me, or whether you used to be a Mormon, mm -hmm. or whether you're any other faith or non-faith, come help us protect our children. Mm -hmm. um, that, so so there, there's the petition. Number two is to record stories. Uh, again, if you go to that site, protectldschildren.org, there's a site, where, a place you can share, click on share your stories. And this would be a story of, like Sean, you need to write your story. I will. Okay. <laughs> to share your stories of inappropriate and damaging interviews that came out of, of your, your, interview, your youth interview Are they anonymous? <laughs> they are. Uh, it's up to you. Okay, good. Now, I'm not going to let you be anonymous. No, 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 I'm just no, no, no. I, I don't no, want to be, be anonymous. anonymous. I want to be right out there telling it. So you know. you've got all kinds of choices okay. on there. Um, the vast majority have decided to be anonymous. Okay. Uh, so I've got their name, I've got their email address, and they'll give me instructions. Do they want it to be uh, their name hidden or not? Uh, I, there's also an option to submit it 100% anonymously. Okay if you don't give me your name and email address, which is perfectly fine. There are some people that you know, push back on this, Sam. I don't want to share my story with it. If I share my story on your website, mm. you are going to know. Mm. I've never been sexually assaulted. I didn't go through all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So all I have to do is listen and somebody say, I'm not ready mm. to share it where even one person in the world knows it was me. You're going to see my face on Facebook. You're, I don't want you associating that with this. Yeah. So we have some people, that's probably a handful, maybe four or five that, um, so if you look on the website and it says name withheld, I don't have the name. If it says name hidden, then the name and email address is behind that. Okay. You guys heard all that. Uh, we're going to take the three calls right now and I hope these three calls, you guys, we're not going to talk about last week or I really want these calls to have something to do with what Sam is talking about. Then, uh, uh, Sam, when we come after we're done with the calls, I want you to remind me your thoughts, your feelings about Mormonism in general. I, I don't want to put you on, on the spot, but people are going to say you're just trying to attack the church because you hate it. 
or you're you're an enemy of the gospel and 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 you have whatever it is let's talk about that because i think it's important for you to articulate your overall view of the mormon church verse uh, as compared to what you're trying to accomplish here so think about that let's go to carlos in cheyenne wyoming on line two carlos you're on heart of the matter hello sean how's it going hey carlos good you oh pretty good hey uh sam i have a question for you if i may sure Um, so what i want to know is is basically we're talking about what, what, what you're saying seems to be kind of uh not uncommon from what you're, from what it, what I watched at least. So if these are people that who have all been instilled in their position um, by other church leaders and such, and everybody has been given the gift of the Holy Spirit and such, and you know the spirit and the gift of discernment and things like that, would you say that some of these things maybe are lacking at, at these levels then? And I'll take my take the answer off the air. Thank you. Thanks, Carlos. So I want to make sure I understand it, that the spirit of discernment is lacking? Yeah, uh, at the top levels. If, I mean, what I think Carlos is trying to say is, look, if they're letting it go on and it's, and it's led by God and it's his church, why hasn't the top realized the damage that has gone on here? Well, I am not that familiar with how the... Dis- I've never been in a meeting with the apostles or the 70s or I've never been a stake presidency. I've just been a bishop. Um, So I really don't know how the decisions are made. What I know is we don't always make good decisions. We make a whole bunch of good decisions. We do a whole bunch of good stuff. But the church has, and I really applaud the church for doing this, uh, they have now condemned our past racism. I think that's a pretty strong word to condemn our past racism and disavow all the teaching, not, yeah, pretty much, the teachings that were taught all during my childhood and adulthood mm-hmm. about race. Mm-hmm. They didn't disavow that. I didn't know that those teachings, well, they didn't disavow it mm-hmm. until 2013, I think. Did, so they, it, did they phrase it that way, our past racism? They said we condemn all past, present, and future racism. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, well, it's racist to deny a black person into the temple. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we're condemning that. Mm -hmm. They specifically say that we disavow our past teachings about race and the priesthood. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking at hallelujah. I don't know how that decision was made originally. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to believe it was done under the Spirit if we've got to condemn it now. Mm -hmm. So I believe our leaders are imperfect. And they plainly state that today, and I appreciate that too. Mm -hmm. So are they going to make mistakes? Yes. Mm -hmm. Does the Holy Spirit guide? I sure hope it guides. But you know what? We still make mistakes. Mm -hmm. If we call the bishop that's a pedophile, I'd say that's a pretty big mistake. We made a mistake on that one. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that answered it. This is a practice or a policy that is a mistake. It would not be considered a theological or doctrinal mistake. There's nothing in the doctrine that would would suggest that, that this is going on except for I mean, if kids are going to go into the temple, they need to be pure. The only way I could see is them not being pure is sexual unless they're stealing or something. What else are you going to ask a kid when it's a worthiness interview to do baptisms for the dead besides does he masturbate? You know, I don't. So maybe there's something doctrinal uh, tied to that. Well, 
I, I'm not challenging, the yeah. petition is not challenging any doctrine. Yeah. It's challenging the two things that I mentioned. Yeah. Behind closed doors, we're the only institutional church that is doing that in America. Everybody else has made the change. We make a comment about racism. Uh, the Civil Rights Act was passed in 1964. You'd think we'd be leading on that. It wasn't until 14 years later that the revelation finally came to get rid of our racism. It wasn't until, what, 40 years later? When we, or 35 years later when we finally said, ah, we're disavowing and condemning that stuff. We didn't do that in 1978. So it was 14 years behind. How long have our schools, um, how long has it been that our schools, uh, sports clubs, uh, Boy Scouts, all these things made the decision, no one-on-ones. Was it 10 years ago? I don't know how long. Mm. We don't want to wait another four years mm. or another 40 years. Every single week mm. that goes by, we have kids that are nudged closer to thinking about suicide. Mm -hmm. Every week we're mo moving, nudging some kid closer to attempting suicide. Every week we've groomed our kids a little bit more and some of those are gonna be so groomed that pedophile, there's a pedophile smart enough yeah. to know what's going on. So um, we don't wanna wait any longer. I don't know, I can't remember what your question no, was. No, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, and your passion is contagious and it is, uh, I hope, I pray in my heart right now, I pray that they won't drag their feet on this the way they've dragged their feet on everything else. I, but, 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 but I'm afraid what they'll say is we can't let people think that one guy standing up can alter the course of this church. So we'll wait until you're dead and gone and then we'll just slowly introduce that. You know, I hope it doesn't happen. So Sean, I've heard many people say that. Mm. I've heard people say that Sam, by pushing openly for this, and by the way, I was pushing behind the scenes way longer mm. than, the la than the, since the petition. But what I found is, you know, one day my daughter a few months ago said, Dad, you just, your stuff sounds angry. I said, honey, if I don't have emotion behind what I'm doing, not even one person listens to it, okay? So I've been talking about this for a while. How many people are on board? Zip. So I am going to get the emotion. I'm gonna write stuff that expresses how every person on the planet ought to be feeling. You read 2,500 stories. You read the 360 right here. If you are not devastated, I, I'm not sure what to say. Most people, when they start reading, they say, Sam, I could get through maybe five, and then I had to go throw up. Yeah. I couldn't stomach more than that. There's also a link on protectwschildren.org. You can read the stories. You can also see the stories. Some of the stories we videoized. Mm. And... I can't watch one without bawling. Wow. Um, so, jeez, I lost track of what the question was, my friend. You're doing great. We've got three more calls. Uh, we're going to take them. Uh, cage people, do you mind if we go over? They say no. We're going to uh, Mike in Phoenix, Arizona on line three. Mike, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you? Good. How you doing, brother? Exceptional. Awesome. So, uh, I've got a <clears throat> kind of something to share, uh, a fact, and then a question for Sam, actually. Yes. Uh, well, I know that some people out there feel like there's no way the church is ever going to change its policy with the whole one-on-one -on -one interviews with the bishop. But the fact of the matter is, the church sent out a survey in 1988 to 
to endowed members of the church and made massive changes to the endowment ceremony. They've also later made major changes to the washing and anointing ceremony. Up until 2005, they were touching initiates in the temple all over their nearly naked body with water and oil. And that changed just in our lifetime. There is no reason why what Sam is, is trying to accomplish here, it's, it's not a huge leap beyond changing temple ceremonies, is it? I mean, it's, it's a simple matter of having one of the children's parents in the room when the bishop's asking questions. I don't think that's too much to ask for. The question I have for Sam is, how in the world are you going to get 1,000 people to march with you in Salt Lake? Because I know a lot of people will sign their names on a petition, but when it comes to actually putting their feet on the ground and, and marching, are you going to get 1,000 people? So who is this, Mike? This is Mike. Mike, this is my favorite thing to talk about. Your name, Noah. This is my favorite thing. How am I going to get 1,000 people? Am I going to get 1,000 people? Of course we're going to get 1,000 people. 1,000 people, aren't there 1,000 people within driving distance of Salt Lake City that care enough about children that they want to eliminate the dangers that, are, that we present to our children week in, week out? Aren't there 1,000? I've got great confidence in the humanity of in the human race, that we are going to have people come out to that, uh, that thing. And actually, it's kind of interesting, uh, related thing. Uh, we, were, we were getting signatures on a petition, but after a month, I was looking at, well, how are you going to get to 10,000? We got 1,000 signatures. How are we going to get 10,000? Well, I decided we are going to go do something that's going to demonstrate my commitment to what we're doing. And now it sound, seems little, but at the time it was very intimidating. And that was for my mom and I to go set up a table with a computer and signs about protecting our children across the street from Temple Square. December 1st and December 2nd of last year, mom and I were there. And I was saying, you know what? It might just me, be me and mom, and if that's okay, fine, we might get 10 people to sign the petition. We had 10 people come down each day to carry signs. I had extra signs with me. We had 1,600 people sign that petition wow. over that weekend. And the Fox News came out and did a story wow. on us. And that started this massive news coverage that we got during December and now into January. So uh, I didn't have to worry that it was just going to be me and my mom on the street corner. It was many others. So I've got great confidence in the humanity, in the good people. Does here. that help, new name Noah? It does indeed. I have confidence too, Sam. If I was in Salt Lake, you can bet your sweet baby I would be there, and I'd have my kids there as well. God bless <laughs> you, brother. Awesome, Mike. Thanks, man. I always wonder what the bippy is, but we won't discuss that. Let's go to Bryce in Seattle on line four. Bryce, what's up? John, Bryce Blankenagle, it's a pleasure to speak with you again. Hey, Bryce, how you doing? I'm fantastic. It's, uh, I'm really glad that you're uh, taking notice and uh, you know, having Sam on your show. Sam, I have a couple of questions for you, kind of all stringed together with a similar thought, if you don't mind. Sure. 
Um, so I, I want to say uh, I have a personal opinion that I think that if we were to get women into leadership positions in the church, this is a problem that would largely solve itself. However, I also um, think that there's uh, significant theological barriers that uh, force that to be impossible, more or less. So I kind of want to see where you fall with um, ordaining women to clergy, um, ordaining women to be bishops, and hopefully this being uh, having an impact on this. And also wrapped up into that, I want to ask, where do you fall, or where, what's kind of your end game goal with this? Do you expect that you're going to be excommunicated from the church? <laughs> what do you expect their response to be? And if they do not cater to the demands of the petition, what are your next moves? And uh, that's, that's a whole question. Bryce, we're going to cut you off. we got more people calling. Thanks, Brother Blankenagel. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care, Sean. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, to answer your two questions, number one, ordain women. That's a change in doctrine. I'm not, that, that, I've, that's not part of what I'm doing. Number two is, jeez, uh, number two. <laughs> Pardon? Oh, yeah. What's the nah, goal? That was just, oh, the goal. Okay, so the, the goal. Oh, and excommunicated. Will you be? Oh, my goal is not to be excommunicated. No, will you be? Okay, so first of all, the goal is to... Um, create enough awareness in the church that the leadership will see, yes, there is an issue that needs to be addressed. Now, Sean, you had mentioned, and I didn't address this, but you had said that, um, that the more you press on this, they're, they're not going to want to do anything because they wanna, don't want to do it because these people want it done. I, I'm looking at, well, that just sounds really screwy to me. I got more respect for these men. They're good men. They're not going to look and say, I'm not going to do the right thing because they want it and they're speaking up about it. I'm going to look and say, we're speaking up about it. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to expect you to listen. I, I, you're good people. Um, so Quickly, my justification for it is the blacks and the priesthood. That in the 60s, uh, it would have been great when Berkeley banned playing BYU because of the policy, but they didn't give in. They didn't give in. They didn't give in when it was at the, the height and then when it died down, that's when they gave in. And that's why I just sense they cannot let uh, the people think mob rule can win. Yeah. See, and I don't look at it, and, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Yes, and I've heard that so many times. Yeah. But I'm looking at, this is not mob. This, these are members of the I'm a member of the church. I'm a good member of the church. Mm -hmm. I've served so much. I've given so much in tithing money. And anyway, it is, I'm a member of the church. There are so many members of the church that want to these, see this change, both that are speaking out and those that aren't. There's so many people that have told me, yes, we support this, but I can't say anything. I've had bishops say, Sam, we're not doing that, but I cannot let my stake president in on this. Mm -hmm. um, the, so it's not mob rule. It's not Berkeley. These are members of the church mm -hmm. that are speaking out about this. Um, so I'm just saying they're good folks. Okay. I think they're going to listen. Now let's say that they, for some reason, they've got other stuff on their plate and they don't address this. What's beautiful about this is this is in our hands. This is in the members' mm. hands. This is in the bishop's hands. This is in the bishop's counselor's mm. hand. So I would say right now, if you're a bishop's counselor, never, ever take a child behind a closed door, ever, awesome. period, nothing. Do not ask them any um, Sexual questions. Oh, he's still going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, the bishops don't take 
start living the, 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 the reasonable things we're talking about right now. Don't take one-on-one. -on -one, don't talk about um, uh, sex. Have a parent or a trusted adult in the room. Make that change right now. I've had so many parents tell me, thank you so much for bringing yeah. this up. Yes, we're not going to allow our children to go behind a closed door and talk about masturbation with a bishop. So we can, so the, the more, the, so Sean, I don't know how many members of the church watch this or how many not members of the church that have children, nieces, nephews, grandchildren. Mm -hmm. We have an opportunity to speak to our bishops, mm -hmm. to speak to our children and grandchildren and work to make sure, I mean, that's really where it lies. The parent has the responsibility. That's ingenious, because if I was an active Latter-day Saint now with my three daughters and I heard you speak, I would be at every one of those interviews from that point forward. Good. And, and, and I don't think uh, they would say, you can't. So, so, so Sean, I'm going to be here for two more days. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to start looking for a baptismal font, because mm -hmm. I, I still hold the priesthood. I can baptize you. Ooh. And then you can go to those interviews with your kids. But my problem is those kids don't go anymore, brother. <laughs> and neither do I. Hey, uh, listen, come up to answer your question. Oh, we got a microphone in there. Uh, go ahead. Please say your name, state your name, and your question. My name's Max. Uh, my question is, do bishops ask personal sexual questions to uh, married couples? I've heard of that happening. I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me and said, Sam, we need to be talking about this too. This affected our marriage. We left the church over. We had shame for a long time over this. Yeah, there, there are bishops that are asking those questions. That Questions that I would say are totally inappropriate. But that's not the point of our deal, of what we're trying to accomplish. Protect LDS children. We're after the children. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And just to let you know, when my wife and I were active LDS, they asked very specific questions about our sexual practices. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, let's go to John in Denver, Colorado. We got a big phone lineup, brother. John in Denver, Colorado, you're on with Sam and Sean. John? Yep, Sam and Sean, how are you doing? We're doing well. Good, hey, glad to be on. Uh, Sam, I have been a, uh, a supporter of yours for a while now, um, <laughs> just communicating on social media. I love what you're doing. Um, I look forward to meeting up with you in, in March and uh, being one of the uh, at least 1,000 people that will be out there helping you. Um, Thank I've got, you, John. Uh, a few sisters that will be going with me. Some are active, some are not in the church, but the policy definitely needs to be changed. My question is, from the church's perspective, why, why would this policy, and maybe they've talked to you and maybe you've heard this uh, from them, but why would this policy not be beneficial for the clergy or for the bishops as well to have another person in the room so that if there were someone in there that was twisting the words or twisting truths, that they would have a, another witness in there. Um, have they talked about that? And, and why would the church not support something like that? So, John, what an amazing question that is. Uh, the purpose of this campaign initially was to protect the children, to eliminate the parts of the interview that I just mentioned. But it does two other wonderful things. 
You mentioned one about protecting our bishops. They are in a super vulnerable mm -hmm. situation. What happens if a child comes out and uh, accuses the bishop of doing something? In today's world, we don't tolerate one-on-one -on -one interviews. Uh, maybe we do in the church. Well, we do in the church. But outside of the church, somebody hears this, a lawyer's going to get a hold of that, and that bishop is in big trouble. So it protects the bishop. The next thing it protects... Exactly. Yeah, the next thing it protects, which you didn't ask about, but it protects the reputation of the church. Today, so I met with our leaders, my, my stake leader recently, and, and he told me that uh, he has a responsibility to protect the good name of the church. And I'm looking at what we're calling for is going to protect the good name of the church. The good name of the church is not protected by doing something that is dangerous and damaged, has hurt thousands of people and all the rest of the world that we're trying. We sent our missionaries out to, to, to proselyte and to bring people into the church and to those people out the outside of the church we're proselyting to, them knowing what is in store for their kids, the church has a bad name right there. So it protects the children, it protects the clergy, it protects the good name of the church, which I'm sure, Sean, you're on board with that one. Oh, yeah. That's a primary <laughs> ambition of mine. <laughs> I'm learning more about you, Sean. This is good. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead. I fully support everything you do, and you can count on me being there March 30th. I will be there with family. I'm bringing more people with me, trying to uh, make a commitment. But keep up the good work and just know people are supporting you. Thanks, my friend. I look forward to meeting you on March 30th. March 30th. Thanks, John. Hey, we're going to go to Linda in Chicago. What uh, happened to our break? But I, We're not having one. But I do <laughs> okay. want to tell you this. I, well, I'm sorry. I get what you're doing, and I completely agree with it. And you know what? I have never done any social, any protest, anything. In fact, I really don't like any of it. But I commit to being there, too to march with you on that. I've never done it, but I will do it because I think this is so important. Well, that yeah. is, that gives me goosebumps. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. Sean. And I'll dress nice, too. Uh, so, I'm going to wear a shirt like that. You can I'll like wear this. that, yeah. <laughs> yes, <okay>. Never. <laughs> uh, but, but here's the, the thing, and, and Sam, I think that it's just the overall focus on sex and, and sexual purity and that whole deal that they have always been about for the I just think that is they missed the boat on Jesus and and, and and parenting and they just missed the whole boat and I think that's really the big issue theologically I think that needs to be revisited before this stuff is going to go away but I think what you're doing is phenomenal but personally I think they've just missed the boat on children teens sex come on I mean come on so, but I just had to throw that in. Let's go to Linda in Chicago, Illinois. Linda, Chicago, Illinois, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sam. Hi, Hi. Linda. Hi. So, um, Sean, I'm curious, or I'm sorry, Sam, I'm curious. Considering um, the protections that you were just talking about, protections for the bishop, protections of the reputation of the church, um, having two people interviewing a child or two people in the room, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around why do you think, what do you think are the primary reasons that the church is resisting this change on a local level? I, although I know that 
I'm starting to hear some grassroots changes, maybe at local levels at some um, in some wards. But um, why do you think there's this resistance from the local leaders and from the highest um, leaders in the church? Well, first of all, Linda, let me just say I love you. Thank you for bringing up something that I wanted to mention. Mm. Grassroots grassroots stuff is happening. So I've had so many parents tell me they're no longer, they're they're going to take control of their children as far as these interview prizes. So that's big. I've had, there are at least three sitting bishops that have signed the petition. Mm. Three bishops signed the petition. I've got names of nine others that have implemented and are considering signing the petition. And there might be more bishops on there, but I specifically know of three. So now we've got nine sitting bishops. Two of them just re- reached out to me this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're seeing great stuff happen there. Uh, yesterday, I think, or maybe today, I posted a, uh, an article on my blog that was written by a active, faithful Temple Recommend uh, young uh, guy in the young men's presidency um, he just signed the petition and he wrote a long essay as to why he thinks this is so important put his name on it so he's open and out that this is big he just sent me a text right before you and I before this thing started he said Sam good news I talked to my parents my dad is a former bishop they agree that this needs to be changed. So we are seeing that grassroots thing start to happen, and the, the wider the awareness, the more that's going to happen. Now to answer your next question, Linda, I can only speculate, I really don't know um, why there, I don't know why, or there may not be resistance. Um, the, but on the local levels, there, there, is, there is that resistance on the local level, um, but it's our culture. Our culture is we listen to whatever comes from Salt Lake City. We don't make the changes on the ground. We have this correlation program where we follow what Salt Lake tells us to and we don't really vary from that. So I think that is a problem. We have a a cultural deal um, on the local levels. From an upper level, well, I've never met with those guys, so I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it is. They have been super tied up with what's been going on there. Mm. They just had... The prophet just died. Mm. They've put a new prophet in. How long was President Monson incapacitated? I, I don't know all the stuff they have to mm. deal with. Um, I, they're eventually going to make this change. Mm. Uh, they, there's no way we're not going to make this change with society not allowing, uh, saying this, knowing that this is wrong. We're going to make the change. We just need to make it soon. Linda, thank you so much. I love you, Linda. Thank you. By the way, I don't know Linda. Linda? <laughs> well, I think she fell asleep during you. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Let's go to Jonathan in San Antonio. Jonathan, Jonathan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, it's great to uh, hear your voice again. And this, thank you so much for covering Sam Young's uh, petition and this really important issue. Um, I, I think the last caller covered one of my questions, which was uh, if Sam could talk a little bit about what active leaders in the current position maybe are talking to him about, because I think there's an element of, you know, courage is courageous, and if we can start getting bishops who are sitting now or who are currently active members but used to be a bishop to stand up and publicly say, I support this move to, to improve our policy, then other people will see that it's okay to do that. 
And uh, Sam, I just want to thank you so much for being vocal. My own mother, who is an active member of the church, um, and, you know, I've left the church and we, we talk a lot. Um, she was, when I, when I finally got the courage to tell her that I was subjected to these interviews as a youth, that I had self-hatred and self-loathing my entire youth and even into my young adulthood, um, because of this issue, she was aghast. And when I told her the questions that I was asked, and it's not just in the bishop's office, it's also in the deacon's quorum, in the teacher's quorum, in seminary, we're shown videos, we're given lessons that talk about all of these shame and self-loathing-inducing themes around sexuality for normal developmental milestones. And and I was just surprised. She's like, well, that doesn't make any sense to me because I don't think masturbation is a sin, so I don't know why the bishop would ask you about that. <laughs> but my mother, my mother didn't know what the bishop was asking and didn't know what the teachers were teaching. And when I showed her your petition, when I showed her the things you've been talking about, she said, that's, that's wrong, and I'm going to sign it. Oh, and so I, I just want to thank you for that. The, the question that I have remaining is... Um, what kind of feedback have you gotten that is not negative, that is not positive? Like, um, I think you posted something about even threats that maybe you personally have received, um, as well as some of the top counter arguments that people have for what you're doing. If you can just talk to that a little bit. Well, of course, I've received negative um, feedback. Um, I've received some threats. Um, I've gone to the police about some threats. Uh, but you know what? The children, when, when I sat out on this thing, <clears throat> it was two days before we went to Salt Lake City. We were getting the signs made. We went to the lumber yard and lumber, the Home Depot <laughs> and bought the sticks. And as they were cutting the sticks, this gut wrench, the worst I've ever had, started descending on me. And I realized later on that what it was, it was me fighting with myself. Sam, don't do this, because once you do it, you are in it, okay? You are, you are going to be so visible, okay? You don't know what's going to, you're, you're not going to be able to pull out. Um, and then the other side of me saying, no, go for it. Remember the kids. Remember, I didn't even have this book yet. I just had maybe 1,500 stories. Um, but those two... But I finally made the decision, Mom, you remember when we went out to dinner and my family was there and everybody knew there was something was wrong. Um, I couldn't talk. It was just, phew. and uh, <clears throat> that night I made the decision, okay. And maybe it was the next morning. Nope. I'm going for this. Damn whatever the consequences come. These kids, <clears throat> uh, we don't, we want to protect these kids. So I knew there were going to be, I didn't realize some of the things, the consequences. So there are consequences that have come. Uh, but nothing has made me regret the decision one whit. Okay, so now what was your other question? Every time you ask... Uh, what, first one, yeah, what... Um, I, I guess to go on to the... Um, what, what are the top three things that people can do to show support and to get the word out so that you guys, you can have the biggest impact. I just want to know what the best thing anyone can do who's listening to you. That's a great question, Jonathan. I'm going to let you go. Listen to offline and he's going to answer Thanks. it. Thank you so much. 
Number one, if you can come, come to the march. March 30th, we're looking for 1,000 people to come to that march. That is going to make, when have we seen 1,000 people march in Salt Lake City from, temp, from uh, City Hall up to the church office building? This is going to be big. They can read about that on your site. Uh, no, well, let's see, no. <laughs> uh, but they now, We're gonna get it on the site soon. Um, description below, look for more info at the description below. Here's the deal, if you go to the Facebook page of Protect LDS Children, Protect LDS Children, if you go to that Facebook page, you'll find a Facebook event. Okay. And you can sign up there or you can sign up on Eventbrite. We're going to get it on the website okay. soon. Um, but make plans. To, I know everybody can't do that, but make plans if you can. Bring people to that. Number two, sign the petition. Um, we've got enough signatures on the petition, but what would happen if we had 30,000 sure. signatures on that petition? It increases the, the awareness as we talk. Share the petition. Help people talk to your friends. Talk to your bishop. Um, talk to your... Uh, family about this, just like whoever it was that talked to their mom and active member says, yeah, that's wrong, I'm signing this thing. Uh, and then if you are somebody that has experienced these in interviews, we have a safe place for you to record those. It's a healing place. I can't tell you how many people have said this is so healing to be able to record my story and see that I was not the only one mm -hmm. that this was happening to. Mm -hmm. And so it's a place that I, I didn't know that was going to happen when I started this thing, that it was going to be a healing thing for those that had been damaged. So uh, there, there would be my top things. Share your stories, uh, sign the petition, and come to the march. Okay, we have two callers left. We can't take any more. We have Tony and Atlanta, Georgia, and Curtis. Uh, but before we get to uh, Tony first, then Curtis, really quickly, uh, Will you be excommunicated, do you think? Is that on the table? Someone asked about that? Do you I can't imagine being excommunicated. I've basically been threatened with excommunication, but I don't, I think that was a discussion with my stake president and bishop. I, I think, you know, they don't know what to do with what somebody would the like charge me. Be? It was apostasy, so he called me apostate several times in our interview. And he read the definition of apostasy is openly opposing the church and its leaders. And my response was, no, I'm openly opposing a policy. Right. Yeah. Not the doctrine, not the leadership, not the church. This is my church, mm. okay? I'm not telling anybody, get out of my church. Yeah. No, I'm telling Sean, come join my church. Yeah. Come sit with me in the pew this Sunday. Yeah. You don't have to be baptized. Just are, are, come are you trying to kill me, me Sam? Are you trying to kill me, too? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not asking anybody to leave the church. I, it's my church. Okay. Um, it's just that policy. But we didn't come to a resolution of that. Okay. I have to ask kind of a, uh, two, two hard questions, one now and the one at the end. The question now is regarding homosexuality. The church's stance is going to be and has been that they can counsel, they can drive it out of people if they pray fast, get counseling with their bishop, talk it through. They're not homosexual. They aren't born that way. They just have those inclinations and they can be trained out of it. So with that thought, then bishops talking to young boys about or girls about their sexuality seems like it goes hand in hand. We don't believe that you really are a homosexual. We do believe you can overcome it by marrying heterosexual. So we're gonna counsel you through this 
idea you have in your life. And to me, it seems like the interviews are inextricably linked to the idea that they can cure homosexuality in people. Have you ever thought of that? Do you see any type of ty uh, connection to the two? So are you trying to kill me now? <laughs> I just have to ask that because... Okay, yeah. so you read the stories. There are dreadful results of bishops talking to kids that are in the LGBTQ yeah. area. I mean, it's just so heartbreaking, the things that, that have happened. Yeah. Um, so that's another reason to get sex out of the behind closed door interview. So that'd be my, it fits right in there. Yeah, and I think that's where the rub's going to be. I think the guys up at North Temple are, if they sat around and talked about this, would say, yeah, but we just can't leave our youth to thinking that they're gay when they just couldn't have been born that way, you know? So it, we have to do something to try to help them get through. I really do believe they think that. So that, this is a whole nother issue, but I think we're making progress on it. I would, I would agree. And so, so I'm looking at progress there. Somebody will carry that. Some, somebody's doing Someone good things do there. Way. Let's get okay. this thing out, and it will help our gay kids, too. Okay, got it. Uh, we're going to go to Tony then, and then to uh, Curtis, and we're going to try to wrap it up. Let's go to Tony, line one, from Atlanta, Georgia. Yes. You're on the air, Tony. All right. Uh, I guess there's a little bit of a lag from there is. Uh, what I'm watching to what I'm hearing. So... Uh, <laughs> I was uh, waiting a little bit longer, but it's good to hear you, and uh, it's uh, uh, the first time I've ever watched your show. I am Tony, the one that wrote the essay Sam was talking about earlier on in the show. Oh. Hooray and, for Tony. So glad to hear and, your voice. And, and uh, Sam, I got all the kids to bed, and uh, it is way late here, and I stayed up and listened to a show like this for the first time ever. And my question goes to something like that. And... Uh, you and I have had a few weeks here of some pretty intense conversations, uh, and we resulted in a place where we found common ground. And uh, I was wondering how you see the movement progressing and the importance that you see of uh, active, believing members of the church like me, and how we bridge the gap between active, believing members like me who are needed to help implement some of these changes and a large portion of those who are supporting the movement right now who tend to be from the more disaffected members of the church. And a lot of times those two groups are very antagonistic towards each other. And I wanted to see how you thought we could better bridge that gap the way that you and I have been able to over the last few weeks. Well, Tony, how to bridge that gap, I, I just want to say you are a wonderful person to allow me to, uh, to, to talk to you, uh, where we were able <laughs> to reach to that. Because you're right, sometimes there is a gap between us that there should never, I don't think there should be a gap between Sean and I, period. Those that are disaffected from the church and those that are still in the church, uh, those that have left the church, you know what? We mostly have core values in common. And those are the most important things. You talked about love on this, uh, and faith. You talked about, though, here's the two big things, love. We've got so much in common, but there has not been a lot of effort to, to bridge that gap, and I think that's an important thing. So what you did by writing that, um, that piece that we could publish, and then you publish it on your site, that is a big deal. 
because it starts to bridge that gap. You stating how you came to your um, to, to your uh, conclusions, and I'm starting to see other people do that too, where they are daring to take or talk to folks. We just had somebody else on the line that talked to their mom. Um, I, I'm hearing this pretty much every day now. Yeah. Where so how do we bridge that gap? Mostly it's if we. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how to bridge that gap, but if we talk to each other and respect each other, uh, we, we've got, that, that's, that's how we'll get there, yeah. On the way. Tony, thank you so much. I love you, my brother. No problem. Love you too, Sam. I just got to say you gave me a little bit too much credit. I am just the Deacon's Corn Advisor. I'm in no presidencies, and I am more than happy to keep it that way. There's okay. two meetings. So I'll talk to you later. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Tony. Okay, and finally, let's go to Curtis, line two. Curtis, Mapleton, Utah. Hey. Hey, Curtis. Um, my questions are to him. Where is it written that masturbation is a sin? Uh, it's Onanism in the Old Testament where Onan spilled his seed upon the crown instead of going in unto his whoever. And they interpret that as being sinful. But really the, the sin in that case was he didn't obey God by going into his sister. It wasn't necessarily the spilling of the seed on the ground, but that's where it comes from. Okay, and then where, where do we get the idea for bishops' interviews for kids for anything? That's your department, brother. Are you trying to kill me again I'm here? trying to kill you. <laughs> you better come to church with me, Sean. <laughs> it's a slow death up here, boys. <laughs> okay, well, your first question, I don't know any place where it says masturbation's a sin. I love the Book of Mormon because it's not in there, and that contains the fullness of the gospel. I love the Doctrine and Covenants. It's not in there. Now... And that's, you know, stuff for our current time, for mm -hmm. our church. Um, but the, the issue is not whether masturbation is a sin. The issue is we should not be talking about that behind closed doors with children. That's what we want to stop. Is masturbation a sin? That's something that really should be addressed because I want to tell you there's a whole bunch of people in the church that believe it is. And there's a whole bunch of people in the church that believe it's not. So... But that's not the issue here. The issue is we got to get that out of the bishop's office. That makes sense, Curtis? Yes, it does. Okay, Thank brother, you. thanks for watching. Bye-bye. Um, Bye-bye. I'm going to wrap it up here. I'll give you the final thought to share it with your audience, so just uh, be thinking about that. Um, uh, but quickly, are you an enemy of the church? Just clear this up for the audience. Are you an enemy of the church? Well, I, no, I'm not an enemy of the church. If I was an enemy to the church, I'd be going about things a lot different. Uh, I view the church, this is my church. Okay. I'm not the enemy of my own church. I'm the enemy of things that are bad, that harm children. I am an enemy of what of the dangerous and damaging practices that we have somehow instilled in our um, Mormon culture. We're going to get rid of this. Even if I was an enemy to the church, I'd want to get rid of this. I'm inviting the enemies of the church. Come join us. Let's get rid of something that's harming kids. But I'm also inviting my friends 
that love the church and saying, let's join arms. This is our church. I want Sean to be proud to sit next to me in our church. Um, I would be. Yeah. Okay. I'm, Sunday. I'm looking for the next Sunday I'm here. I'm coming to your, your church and we'll go to my church. Um, you take me to a ward in this state? Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun, Sean? Oh, oh, it would be fun for me. I'm not so sure about for you. Hey, look. Yes, it would be super fun for me. Okay, so no, I'm not an enemy of my own church. What I'm doing will protect my church. It'll enhance the good name of our church. When the, if the apostles made this change today, they're not going to look bad. They are going to look totally good to every member of the church. Nobody's going to say, oh man, my child's not going to be asked if she uses two fingers or one when she masturbates. No, we're all going to be proud of the leaders when they make that change. And Sam Young will fade back into the life that I'm ready to go back to. (laughs) Uh, One one other point I have to say, when you said that your daughter said, you seem angry, Dad, when we started doing Heart of the Matter, I tried to be a very kind, nice guy, and it doesn't work. Like you said, no one would listen if I just talked. You've got to show your emotion to get angry, to, to get people to think. So I think what you're doing is wonderful. So somebody shared this with me a good while ago, <coughs> a quote from St. Augustine of Hippo. I don't know if there's a bunch of St. Augustines, but... No, you Saint, got the right one. Okay, yeah. St. Augustine, he said, the twin daughters of hope, which I now view, the three virtues of the gospel, faith, hope, and charity. Faith, mm-hmm. hope, and charity. Hope is now a big deal to me. <coughs> faith, hope, and charity. The two daughters, the two twin daughters of hope, are anger and jeez, uh, anger and courage. Oh. Anger at the way things are mm. and courage to work to make them change. Mm. I'm working a path of hope. Mm. I hope this policy is going to change. I, frankly, I know it's going to change. Mm-hmm. I hope it's going to change this very year. It's already changing in many kids' lives as their parents take, um, take control of what's going on. But I found, so I've had so many people push back on this anger thing that I finally tamped it down. It did me great harm to tamp it down because my, I was holding stuff inside, but mostly it was, I became milk toast about, should we really, should I really be doing this? And I pick this up. No, I don't even need to pick this up. I get the stories every day. I talk to people every day and I just need to have that yes. I'm hoping this changes, and there's two things that work together, anger at the way things are, and what has happened to these kids, and then courage to stand up for them to say, what happened to you is wrong, it shouldn't have happened, I'm sorry it ever did, I was, it was under my watch when that happened in my own church, I didn't know this was going on, it was wrong, I'm sorry it happened, and we're working to make sure it never happens again. and, and, uh, and then the courage to, to, to actually go out and do this stuff. Admirable. Uh, let me just wrap it up with this. And I just want to plant something in your pocket from me to you, to take with you on this journey, however it unfolds, and whatever you're, you're able to accomplish, which already to me is just fantastic. Uh, our our mis- mission here in Utah has been for people who were LDS, typically, and couldn't make it. They like to drink. They like to masturbate. They, they, they like. You can whatever. make in the church doing that. Okay. Yeah, uh, well, they can't, and it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, they can't. So, and I have heard the most heinous stories of sexual deviancy from mm. people over the past number of years. 
Um, and when people come, I have learned that to emphasize to them, especially youth, you know Jesus loves you. You know, that's why he came. Because people like you and me and others are going to have problems. And he came and he loves you as you are. And he's behind you to help you uh, as you are. Know that he loves you. And with that, they have a different response to the things that plague them. So the only thing I want to give to you before you give your final remarks and remind everybody how to reach you, etc., is that hopefully the bishops will see that there is a real um, power they have, youth who come to them with their parents sitting there, and if the youth want to talk about something, that the bishop reassures them of Jesus' love, unconditional love and support for whatever problem they want to bring up with the parents sitting there. If that can be more of the focus within the Mormon church, I consider it a double victory, a triple victory. I just wanted to give that to you before you wrap it up for us. Thank you. You're Absolutely. Welcome. Appreciate that very much. Yeah. So wrap it up. Wrap it up, brother. Okay. We are going to save children. I believe we've already saved children's lives. We are going to save a, a generation of children by what we're doing. Good fellow members of the Mormon church. Let's work together to make this happen. <clears throat> Start with you. Make sure you protect your children. Talk to your bishop so that he understands. You know, I think there's a whole bunch of bishops out there that are going to be super relieved when this change is made. <clears throat> but how can you help right now? Number one, sign the petition. You can go to protectldschildren.org right there and uh, uh, get to the petition. Share the petition. Come to the march. You have to go to the Facebook page, Protect LDS Children Facebook page, uh, to find the Facebook event. Uh, but come, come, to the, uh, come to the march. That's going to be... This is going to be a historic thing, Sean. When has this ever happened? I don't know. Never. Okay. March, so, March 30th. It's easy that's to remember. Right. We're, going, we're marching in March, March 30th, uh, 12 o'clock. We gather at the uh, uh, city county building at 12 o'clock. We expect everything to be over at 3. We're marching up to the church office building. We're going to be presenting two things. Number one, we're presenting the names on the petition, those that are calling for a change. The second thing we're presenting... Derek. Keep the talking, I'm sorry. stories of, uh, well, we're calling it the sacred stories of our sacred children whose childhoods have been ruined behind closed doors. We're presenting this to the church, that this is what we don't want happening going forward. Okay, so there you go. Any final thought? You've got to just give me 20 seconds while I talk to Derek. 20 seconds to the audience. One more petition. 20 seconds to the audience. Uh, well, let me just say this, that not only are we, I, I'm seeing progress in the grassroots of a few bishops, um, some conversations in stakes with stake presidencies, not necessarily major changes yet, but at least discussions about it. But I can't tell you how it's just gratifying to hear from people saying, and not just hear from them, I've had one, I call them kids, but they're adults. It's a 39-year-old. So Sam, I was so depressed. 
for most of my life over these issues. Hearing 15,000 roaring voices for me that what was done to me was wrong. I now get up in the morning at 3 o'clock. I can't sleep. I'm excited about life again. Now that kind of healing sounds pretty quick. And I don't understand the healing process. But I've seen it with other people as we've talked for a year or for two months or for a month. Just over that period of time, you see they're talking differently. Uh, they have a different attitude about things. Uh, it just is kind of a magical thing that has happened. So I really appreciate the 15,000 people that have signed that petition. People see it and it is meaningful to their healing. I just uh, spoke with uh, Derek. Derek and Danita are uh, very generous to the community here, to everybody. And they just, uh, Derek just confirmed to me that we will, not we, Subway will provide sandwiches to anyone who shows up to your march. So, uh, we're getting 10,000 people. <laughs> oh and Derek goodness. will shoot me. <laughs> a thousand but, sandwiches. Uh, a thousand sandwiches. Is that how we would do it, Derek? Yeah, we'll bring at least a thousand. At least a thousand sandwiches. Derek. First come, first serve. That is amazing. So, uh, we're behind you. We praise God for uh, helping children. And uh, we uh, look forward to your great success. And thank you so much for being on the show, Sam. Thank you very much. Good to God meet you, God bless you. See you next week. So promote that. <laughs>